We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sixth Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Sixth Man Show. Today is either February 15th or February 16th, depending upon how quickly we can get this episode wrapped up, edited, and uploaded. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is going on? We've had a we've had a big week this past week, Jonathan. We've had a big week. However, there needs to be one thing as well shouted out in this episode, and I'm going to make sure it happens. Today, we got news. NCAA Football 25 coming this summer. Hopefully, some gameplay in the next couple of months in the trailer would be awesome. They launch that. They confirm this summer it's happening. Give a cool little trailer there to get everybody hyped up, get the uh, juices flowing. I'm going to be spending a lot of time on NCAA football over the summer. Off season for the Magic after we win the finals in June and then go into straight to NCAA football 25. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm not like the biggest college football guy around, you know, but like NCAA uh, football, like 14. Mm-hmm. I forget. The guy from Michigan, don't remember his name. Remember being on the cover. I played the hell out of that game in high school. Actually, no, that's not high school. That was after high school. What, what, what year was what year was Tebow on the cover? Like that was the first one that I got into, and I got into that eleven heavy. Spent hours and hours playing like the you know recruiting mode and all that kind of stuff. So. I'm not the biggest college football guy, but th- you and Kevin ha- were on quite the FIFA streak a few mm-hmm. months ago, and I was sort of left out of that. But when it comes to the you know NCAA football, college football game coming out, I will be all over that. Yeah, it's hard not to be. You got you to gotta respect it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just have to. And going back to, to 14, was it Denard Robinson, I believe, is who you were thinking of there for Michigan on the cover iconic game because it was the last of its kind or so we thought I am nervous. It's not going to be the same, but nonetheless, we got a lot to cover so we can get into that, but I wanted to give a shout out to NCAA football. Yeah. And our listeners are, you know, 
if you don't follow us on social media, especially Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you woke up Thursday, you're like, where the heck's the episode of the six-man show? We went to the game Tuesday. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about Shaq's jersey retirement, our group night, all that kind of stuff. And then went to the game Wednesday. Came home Wednesday. I got home at about midnight to find out that my internet was gone. It was completely out. We gave it almost an hour. And it wasn't coming back up. So we're like, okay, we're just going to have to figure this out, record tomorrow. I go to sleep. I wake up today. Still no internet. I call my internet service provider and they're like, yeah, well, there was a company in installing light poles in the neighborhood and somebody dug too deep and clipped the main fiber optic line to not only our neighborhood, but four neighborhoods. That's crazy. So they were having to dig 12 feet into the ground to try to find where exactly this occurred and then fix it. So I think we were like 14, 15 hours without internet, which was pretty rough. But uh, nonetheless, we're here. Sorry, we're late. These things happen from time to time. And just so much happened Tuesday night, Wednesday night. As you can hear from the lack of voice, it is taking so much effort to make even the most minimal sound right now. So much went on Tuesday and Wednesday. I, I didn't want the boys to record without me selfishly because I want to I wanna talk about everything that happened. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But a couple of quick announcements. First of all, Met a lot of people Tuesday and Wednesday of this week that say they've been listening since the very beginning of the show, going all the way back to February of 2019. So coming up here, February 23rd, which is next Friday, that's going to be the like the official five-year anniversary of, of the six-man show. So we are recording and broadcasting live a five-year anniversary show next Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on YouTube. Uh, obviously, there won't be any real games in between now and then. We'll talk a little bit of all-star break. For the most part, it'll just sort of be looking ahead to the rest of the season and also just sort of looking back at the last five years of the six-man show and sort of all the awesome opportunities you know that we've had. We'll have a, a very special guest uh, on that broadcast. So, be sure to tune in again. That's going to be our five-year anniversary show of the Six Man Show next Wednesday, February 21st at 9 p.m. on YouTube. So make sure that you go ahead and we'll probably put a, a like scheduled a broadcast early so that you can go and you know make sure you'll get a notification when that starts, Luke. Uh, but yeah, very much looking forward to that. It's crazy. That's already obviously five years, and I'm sure to you that's much wilder to you. But I'm 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 even able to to kind of think about okay when when the however old the show is, I came along about a year later. So wild to me that we have the the five year anniversary of the show, which means also me being here for four years, us recording an episode a week, and then adding to be two a week. I mean, and then with all the opportunities we've had in the last few years, especially the last couple of years. Time's flying and it's uh it is it is pretty nuts to look back on it and be like, man, the show really was started five years ago. It is it is wild. It's been a lot of fun. The last couple of years have just got like exponentially more crazy. And mm -hmm. you talked about all the opportunities we've had. It, it's been so much fun. So it'll be fun to sort of reflect on that and you know look ahead as well. So again, make sure that you tune into that uh, next Wednesday, nine p.m. on YouTube. Going to be a lot of fun. 
Next episode of the Six Fan Show is going to be filmed Tuesday, February 27th, outside of Kia after the Magic take on the Nets. So be sure that you are, if you're at that game, come outside after that game, meet Ben. He'll be there recording, uh, and you can be featured in that as well. Always, always a fun time. The, the last uh, episode of the Six Fan Show that we put out this week after the OKC game and after the you know Jersey retirement and everything, where uh, our 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 friend who we thought was our friend, Maddie mm. World Peace, yeah. uh, labeling <laughs> Luke Sylvia terrorist, it's, sort of yeah. out of nowhere. You never know, and if it, it, just so you guys know, just because you say something out of pocket like that, it doesn't mean it won't get on the show. Because if the other two guys that aren't <laughs> the butt of the joke think it's funny, it's going in the video. <laughs> and you know what the best part of that was? I I I would just like to defend myself. In real time, if you listen to that clip, you can faintly hear me saying, cut that, cut that. <laughs> but I, Kevin, uh, Kevin decided it was staying. Kevin ultimately had the editing power, so it didn't matter what I, what I thought or even what you thought at that point. Kev was, Kev's the one that could hit the publish button there and after editing and exporting. So, yeah, I, it, listen, it came about. You guys, one of you guys texted, maybe Kevin, I think, and just all he said was Maddie with a bunch of laughing faces. And I was like, What's what are we talking about? And then Jonathan knew because you were there, and then you all were like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You'll see." So I had to wait a full like few hours to figure out that I was the one being called a terrorist. I'm catching strays on my my uh, own show's pretty, videos. Pretty wild, insane. But it's pretty good. yeah, you'll never know. So definitely go say hey to Ben. Maybe maybe uh, make a joke about Jonathan and Kevin if it's funny enough. That's fine. to keep it in. I'm if good you with make that. one about Kevin though, I I don't know. <laughs> Most likely it will be cut. Most likely it will be cut. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Tuesday and Wednesday because there's some stuff that happened Wednesday that some of you are aware of, but some of you are not, and and we'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, we're going to talk about the OKC game, like in its entirety, and we'll have a a, a, obviously a a separate segment strictly devoted to talking about the game and what happened there. But we wanted to talk first of all. When the schedule came out in August, we knew that we wanted to do some type of big group night with our our followers and our listeners and you know fans of the show and people that come out to watch parties. We wanted to have a group night at some point during the season uh, for you know Magic fans. People come in and really just be around other diehard Magic fans, and for that to be a fun experience at a game. And when the national TV schedule came out, and we knew that the Magic were going to be playing on TNT at home for the first time in 12 years, I think it was, we circled that date. We're like, if we can make it happen, that's the night that we want to do it. So shout out to our guy, John McCall, who if you are looking for uh, you know, season ticket information or, or you're looking to bring a group to a game, John McCall is absolutely the guy that you want to reach out to for that. But we reached out to John McCall and said, hey, this is the night that we want to do this. Are we able to make it happen? He said, absolutely. We put up the first round of tickets we thought maybe over the course of a week or maybe two weeks, we'll be able to sell these. I think it was like 100 tickets to begin. Within like three or four hours, completely sold out. We had to open up another uh, area in another section. And within like another day or two, those completely sold out as well. I think we ended up with over 200 people that purchased tickets to this game. And we're able to bring like 100 fans to the pregame warmups uh, prior to the game. So just from like when first getting there and, and people started to trickle in people that I've been talking to on social media for years that have never had the opportunity to meet them being able to make that connection and putting 
like Twitter and Instagram handles to to faces. Um, and it's always so weird because like when we go to magic games, it's not uncommon now for people to recognize us because you know, our affiliation with the the team and the podcast and everything like that. And it's always super cool, but it is always funny to me when people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so nervous. Like I'm like, brother, we're just guys. Like we are legitimately just dudes doing this. There is nothing absolutely special about us. We're just dudes that do a podcast. So that's always a, a super cool experience. Uh, but Luke, we got to hang out at halftime um, like literally fans from all over the world. We had fans from the UK. Shout out to our, our, our boy Garrett uh, that came over with some friends from the Let's Talk Magic, formerly known as the Orlando Magic UK podcast. Uh, we got to meet fans from Australia. Uh, we had a, a longtime listener and his wife that we got to you know chat with. Uh, I got to talk with them Tuesday and Wednesday night, as a matter of fact. Just lovely couple. Awesome to meet them. Uh, our guy, Michael Lynch, uh, who's a patron of ours over from Ireland. We had fans fly in from Philadelphia, from California, like all over the country, Luke. And uh, just being able to, to meet people and, and talk with people that help support the show and uh, that we got to just all be together in this special night was, it was that. It was just really special, to be honest. And I don't get to bring Lauren super often because we have obviously our children here and quite frankly like uh, people have lives unless we want to pay for a sitter lauren typically isn't going to come unless one of our parents can can do something but often like i said they've got lives they can't they can't always do that so it's not always a real possibility for us but we we went we went all out we got a sitter for the uh for the night on tuesday lauren wanted to come out with me and said just was awesome because I think it might have been like our only our second game that she's really been to with me in the last really since the show started. So we were living in I Omaha mean, originally. She she came um to the in season tournament game against Boston, which was a fantastic game to, yeah. to be at. But yeah, I don't think too many others that we've mm-hmm. all been able to be at together. No, not at all. So it was just it was awesome. And um can't say enough about all of you guys showing up and we we got a lot of really great response about Tuesday night, especially there against OKC. A lot of people tweeting about it, even people that didn't know it was us. They were like, hey, whoever was in section 102, you guys are all doing your thing. And that that first quarter, especially when the Magic were really giving us something to cheer for. And Shea Gill just, Alexander wasn't absolutely going off or, or Jalen Williams. Yeah, a lot of people took took notice of that, and and it's always a really fun time to have an impact on what happens in a game like that. It was awesome because like that was the goal. Like, hey, this is going to be our first nationally televised game in a while. Like, we want it to be a special atmosphere for you know the guys, and uh, you know wanted to. If you're watching a broadcast, you're like, wow, like Orlando's got some some you know pretty uh, passionate fans there, and there was one possession in the the beginning of the the fourth uh, first quarter rather like four minutes into the game where magic fans are are still super engaged and we started a a defense chant and that was like i felt i felt my voice go and and it's been gone since like i did my best like all throughout the rest of the game trying to talk to people at halftime like basically like yelling to get any amount of noise out and then knowing that i was going to the game Wednesday and, and knew that we had a, a podcast to record. It's just like 
I don't know that I've ever done what I did this time to my voice. I don't know that I've ever done this before. And obviously in that setting, it's contagious. Like you just like, if someone starts a chant and being that I was a couple seats over from you, you were the one starting the chants most of the time. And I was chanting along for like the first few times that it happened. And then I felt my voice kind of kind of change there and i was like i i i talk on the phone for my day job so i need to to figure it out i need to basically calm down i don't need to like i'll cheer for baskets and whatever but i don't need to be yelling um unfortunately that was that was the reality that i had so i i live vicariously through you i also thought it was awesome to hear other people start chants because truthfully when i go and i sit with you you're always the one starting the chance and so for to hear other people like get the confidence. It takes some confidence to start a chant because you got to know that people, like, you got to trust that people are going to join in with you. And, you know, when you do it, especially like when I'm there and Kevin's there, you know, hey, they're, they're going to follow suit. But the people that don't necessarily know if people are going to follow suit, it takes some courage and you're going to fall flat on your face sometimes. But I was super proud of the people that, that did that, went out on a limb and, and started some chants just, not a better feeling than when everybody chimes in and it was a great night all around despite the loss. I just want to say, I've been doing that by myself for 10 years. Yeah, well, I just listen, screaming I believe and, and it. Nobody, nobody's screaming around me. So <laughs> I, you, you, you build up that confidence over time that like, hey, I'm just going to cheer. Like, regardless if anybody cheers with me, they're, they're, you know, you just do it. But yeah, like exactly what we wanted was, was the crowd that we brought. And, and it wasn't, so we were sitting in 102 mm-hmm. and then a couple of sections over the other seats that we sold, like the other hundred seats that we sold in uh, 118. Like I, I heard them going mm-hmm. as well. So it wasn't just our section, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, I just being at a game with like that many, we said we want the most rabid diehard magic fans. And that's exactly what we got. And like going back, especially to the first half, like to your point where we had things to cheer about in that game, like being able to hear the chants like through the TV and like I'm getting texts throughout the game. Like I heard this. I know that y'all like I know I know you guys started the MVP chant for Palo at the free throw line. Like that was that was really, really cool. Like to the point where certain points in that first quarter, like you had a hard time hearing the TNT broadcast team. So mm-hmm. uh just an awesome night. Uh, we we want to do another one this year. We're we're working on doing another group night, um, hopefully sometime next month. So uh, as soon as we have all the details on that ironed out, that one's going to be pretty special. I think that one is probably going to go even faster mm-hmm. than this one went. So uh, just be on the lookout. You know, listen to the pod. You know, if if you watch on YouTube, obviously, or keep an eye on our social media accounts. As soon as we can announce that and put that link out, like. Just, just be ready because I have a really, really strong feeling that this is going to go pretty quickly when when we announce that. So that was a great time, uh, Luke. Let's talk about the reason that TNT and every everybody was there and everybody stayed after the game. Obviously, Shaquille O'Neal in the building, getting his jersey retired, the first jersey in Orlando Magic history going up there. Um, what did you think of, of sort of the the energy? the the day of sort of leading up to the game and then um like right after the game we go into the retirement ceremony like what were your thoughts on all of that the discourse was was interesting the day of you definitely had like the fans that were just pumped to to talk about the magic being on national television 
always cool to see national outlets post about it. Big Twitter accounts, big Instagram accounts post about like Paolo Bencaro is going to get his first nationally televised game. Well-deserved, all that sort of stuff. And then you had your discourse about Shaquille O'Neal and the Jersey retirement. And I wouldn't say it added a damper to the day, but it was still like a negativity that like I didn't well, like I, I was not welcoming that just ridiculous. Like we're to that day it's happening. You can't do anything about it. So how about instead of bashing the organization for retiring Shaq's Jersey, just be thankful they're retiring one at all, because I guarantee you those who had an issue with Shaq being the one retired, you've been calling for Jersey to be retired for years. So we finally get to that day. And so that was a little frustrating, but because it was, it was everybody like not everybody, obviously, but there was a good chunk of people that I saw that just wanted to gripe about it still. And still will, and they're going to continue to, and blah, blah, blah. But all I know is 20 years down the line, we're going to have quite a few more jerseys retired, and nobody's going to care anymore about which one was retired first. They're going to get up there. So going into that, and that night, just knowing that following, it was just cool like to look over as well, like to see Shaq was calling the game. Cool to look over at the table and, and see Shaq. Just... It's not an everyday occurrence, that's for sure. To see Shaq and then leading into the ceremony, which we'll talk about too, but just really surreal. And I, I think the most special part about it was that we we know we're familiar with the fact that Shaq played for a ton of teams, especially near the end of his career. He was just kind of bouncing around, right? Being a little bit of a journeyman to end the career as he was getting older. So he's affiliated with a lot of teams. But it was really special to see Shaq just be a magic he wasn't he wasn't a cavalier he wasn't a heat he wasn't a laker he wasn't any of those teams he was just an Orlando magic and so that was awesome and to see him get celebrated like he did afterwards just the the concept in and of itself is is awesome and like I said super surreal yeah like for that night, he wasn't anything else. Like right. It was just about the magic. And even you know, before the game, he said he, he thought that that was going to be the most special one. Now, is he just saying that because you know it, it's in the moment and he's you know wrapped up in emotion? Like, yeah, that that might be the case, but it, nonetheless, it's a nice sentiment to share. You know, mm-hmm. um, speaking specifically about the the ceremony, it was long, much longer than I think anybody anticipated. I thought like you know this is going to be like a 20, 30 minute thing. I'm pretty sure it carried like almost an hour, maybe even a little bit more than that. There were tons of Shaq's, you know, former teammates that were there. Obviously, you know, uh, Brian Hill was in attendance. David Steele was sort of like hosting, you know, and, and emceeing the the retirement. You have Penny Hardaway in attendance who, I mean, Penny might've got the loudest ovation of the night, including Shaq. Like mm-hmm. it was obviously a Shaq's night and, you know, Shaq was shown on the video board all throughout the evening and got almost a standing ovation each time. But when they're announcing, you know, the, the different guests and they're coming out of the tunnel, Penny was the last guy announced before Shaq. And I thought the roof was going to come off of Kia when, when Penny was, uh, when he was announcing, obviously later in the ceremony, Shaq talks about all these other guys who their jersey should be retired. And Penny Hardaway gave a, a really nice speech to, to Shaq and thanked him for basically his entire career. And it was just such a special moment specifically, but like in that instance, I couldn't help but think like 
this is going to be so awesome when it's Penny's night and he mm. gets his flowers as well because like Penny obviously he moved on but like differently from Shaq where Shaq's like won a title with the won multiple titles with the Lakers and won a title with the Heat and you know is celebrated at these other spots like Penny doesn't have that like Penny is Orlando Magic through and through like you, you don't think of any other team when you th- you don't think of Phoenix when you think of Penny Hardaway you think of the Orlando Magic when you think about Penny Hardaway. So for him and sort of having that full circle moment someday, because obviously T-Mac wasn't that much longer after Penny was out the door, but you know, we, we saw it with, uh, with Dwight Howard. When Dwight was gone and Tobias Harris starts wearing number 12, like that rubbed Dwight the wrong way. And I imagine that you know, Penny being there for a number of years and then seeing Tracy McGrady come in and wear number one, like that you feel a certain way about that. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, the, the ceremony was, was pretty long. Everybody, you know, had, had great speeches. One thing I will say is if I never hear the words Shaquille O'Neal put Orlando on the map, it will be too soon. If I never hear that phrase again, because it was uttered about 75 times during that ceremony, regardless of whether or not it's true, because it is true. And I think a lot of people forget about that fact. Um, but it was awesome. You know, you had Dennis Scott come up, you know, Brian Hill, you know, talk about, you know, Shaq. And then uh, Shaq was presented with a one of one Jeff Hamilton Orlando Magic uh, jacket with 32 O'Neal on the back with the white pinstripes. As much as we thought these other blue jackets that Jeff Hamilton, you know, designed uh, for this season, the white one blows all of them out of the water. The white one is legitimately might be the sickest jacket I have ever seen in my entire life. And then Shaq gets up there and he calls Dennis Scott up. He calls uh, Penny Hardaway up. He calls Nick Anderson up. I believe he called Nick up first to tell everybody that I, I thought this guy's jersey was going to be first in the rafters and basically said, like, Nick should absolutely be up in the rafters along with Tracy McGrady and Penny Hardaway. Shaq did not mention Dwight Howard, I believe, during the ceremony. I think. Maybe earlier in the day at another event, he might have mentioned Dwight Howard's name, but uh, Dwight's you know jersey should be up there as well. And then we get to the end of the ceremony, and this was really just like the, the if I had to pick one thing that I had an issue with, which a lot of people have made this point as well. A lot of people are annoyed at the point being made, but some people aren't on social media and, and may not have heard anybody talk about this just yet, maybe feeling a similar way. But the fact that we use the current and modern Orlando Magic jersey number font on Shaq's jersey that is or the banner that is going up into the rafters like symbolizing his jersey I thought was a total miss uh the response that Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel has reported on his response that he got from the organization is that they want to basically keep like that font continuity uh, as they add more players over time which is like I I guess but I I think it was our our guy um, Cannibalism, uh, who's one of our our patrons. I believe on Discord, not Discord, Twitter. He went through and posted like three or four different examples of other teams who have used different fonts uh, to signify like the different eras that guys played in. So they just should have used the retro Orlando Magic number font that Shaq wore when he was here for that. And uh, had an issue with that. Didn't really like that. a lot of people have made that point. I think it's just sort of a a, a bit of a, a, a disconnect there at the end of the day. Really not a huge deal. He's up there. That's what really matters. And hey, 
they changed the the six banner. It used to be a a jersey up there with the number six that said the fans. Now it says six man. I don't I don't want to say <laughs> it's our jersey. I don't want to say we influenced that at all. But is there a non zero percent chance there might be? I don't know. <laughs> no, there probably not. But maybe. But maybe. Maybe it's re- really cool. I want to give a shout out to Tony Wynn because you talk about that jacket. He posted to Twitter the sketch of the jacket, where it began. So, shout out to him. Incredible jacket. But yeah, when it comes to the font, man, either just keep the original jersey font, or instead of having the 32 being literally the same 32 that C.J. Watson wore for the Orlando Magic, pick another font. Pick it. Pick one that that is just different. Like, pick one that's unique that the Magic have never had, maybe, and keep them uniform that way. Don't pick one that like was in that. Everybody era. hates for the most part. Yeah, I just don't love it. Don't love it. And if you because the whole thing is like maybe they were like, oh well, we've already got the the six for like the six, you know, for the fans. We want to keep it uniform that way, but it's like we don't care. If you take that banner down, you already redid the name. Just redo the font. Redo the font or who cares? Keep the font the same on that. And then just do the the, jer- the the jersey font that goes with that jersey from that year, from when they wore it, from when that player wore it. Because it went up and it's like, y'all have the correct 32 everywhere. Literally, the podium, the jacket, it's everywhere. So for them to lift that up and it just was kind of like a jump scare <laughs> to, to see that that was the, the font that was used. It's like, man, what is wrong about this? Oh, the font's incredibly wrong. I was like in my car yelling at my phone when they lifted the jersey out of it. Like there's no way that this is the decision. They did everything else well aside from the ceremony being long and a little redundant at parts. But still like the night was special enough that I I could get over that. But I gotta go into Kia every time and see it up there with the wrong font. I'll get over it. And in the moment, maybe we're being dramatic. I don't know. Well, but, I'm over it. But that was just like my visceral, like knee jerk reaction. Like as soon as I saw that, it was like, why that font? Like, yeah, but just, guess guess what? You, you're gonna you just go overthought into, it. You're gonna go into the arena again. You're gonna look up. You're gonna see the Shaq jersey. I'm never gonna, gonna love it. No, and you're gonna be like, uh, like they messed up the font. So I'm interested to see if they get enough flack for it that they do something. I don't know if they will, but maybe it'll be another way that they show us they're listening to the fans. They've been getting a lot better at that as of late, and hopefully that that trend continues. I think it was just like, how do what's the best way to do this? Because you know we're planning. Obviously, they're already thinking about doing more jerseys in the future, so that's a, a good thing. But like, how do we keep the continuity? It's like. That that doesn't really matter, in, in my opinion. I think they just sort of overthought that. But at the end of the day, it's not a, a massive deal. Every time I see it, will I think about it? Yes. But I'm just happy that his jersey is up there. Like being there on Wednesday and, and being able to look up and see Shaq's jersey in the rafters, it's like, yes, should have been like this all along. And now it, it, it's finally up there. One of the coolest things I, I want to end on a positive note talking about the, the retirement is. 
you know, Shaq's made jabs, you know, over, over the years. And like any all time great athlete, you know, this is a guy that, that has an ego. And whenever you feel spurned by a franchise, like you're going to have that level of, of pride and maybe a little bit of, of resentment, but was able to put that to the side for the night. And you could see that throughout the speeches, like he was legitimately like getting moved and was getting emotional at, at certain aspects. And, um, you know, he, he basically closed the retirement ceremony by telling the DeVos family, like, Hey, whenever you want me to, to quit TNT and, and come home basically and buy the team is what he was alluding to, to let him know. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Uh, but it was just good to like finally sort of, um, mend that relationship, if you will, like, Hey, you're, we had this entire, you know, couple of days devoted to, to you and to, to celebrating you. And, you know, we're, we're putting you in, you know, uh, magic history forever by putting your, your Jersey up there in the rafters. No one will ever wear that again. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, overall they, they did a fantastic job. There were a couple of things that probably I would have changed differently, but, uh, mm-hmm. was a awesome moment to be there for. Yeah, absolutely. Part of history. And I'm I'm happy that we were there for it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, I want to talk about this just really quickly because uh, we weren't really at liberty to, to talk about this uh, until now, and I thought it was important, and we, we've gotten permission to talk about uh, what the Magic um, helped us do Wednesday night and, and sort of what it means going forward. So we were contacted by uh, you know some of the, the folks on the innovation team at the Magic a couple of weeks ago with an awesome opportunity. What they asked us to do uh, Wednesday, the, the 14th, when we played the Knicks, 
Uh, for that game, they wanted to do basically like a simulated uh, like team supporter section. So they asked us to bring a, a small number of like diehard Orlando Magic fans that we knew. Uh, we couldn't just sort of put that you know, up to the public just yet. They wanted us to wait until after to talk about that. Um, but I think we had about you know, 30, 35 diehard Magic fans. Uh, they built a nice stage for us up in the Ozone at that game Wednesday. They had a DJ up there. Uh, they had a, the, the drummer up there as well. They brought Corey Arkin and the whole video team to put us up on the, the video board at, at, at different times throughout the game. And just fans like to go as crazy as they possibly could. Yes, it's a, a Knicks game. There are a lot of Knicks fans in the building. Um, but to do our part at sort of like combating the the Knicks fans and the and the noise there. And at different times of the game, you know, that was challenging at different points. But really what the Magic wanted to do is just to see what that experience could be like for fans. So uh, we were there Tuesday for the our group night and for the Jersey retirement and the TNT game. And then uh, we were there Wednesday uh, for this test run and the magic, they took, you know, feedback from us from this experience and from the other fans that we were with on, Hey, how can we improve this and how to make this a better experience moving forward? So um, the magic are, are, are sort of collecting all of the, the data and um, sort of debriefing like what that entire experience looked like and their innovations team is, is working to see, is this something that we can do in the future? And, and how can we make this a great experience for Magic fans? And um, how can we just you know make that a a, a great time and, and be something that will really impact Magic games and impact the crowd that are there? So the reason that we wanted to talk about it is because it was an awesome opportunity. We're super grateful that we got to you know partner with the Magic for this, but also want to let Magic fans know that like the organization really is listening and that they are they are doing their part. Um, in trying to give fans, you know, what they're asking for. So, what that looks like in the future, I really don't know, but uh, I'm confident that they're going to find a way uh, to make this a, a really great thing for for Magic fans in the future. And and Luke, I hope they can uh, figure out a, a way to make that work. Would love to be a part of the next one, as I wasn't able to make it out last night. Just a little too much for me with the uh, Tuesday night, and uh, it was a little bit too much for me, but. <laughs> We're alive. So hopefully uh, the next time out, if this happens again, which we hope it does, then uh, be able to have my debut among that section then. Sidebar, Kevin and I were lucky enough to be that able to be the we, fans of the game. We do need to talk about this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do the, you know, what time is it? It's magic time in five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Go magic. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, that was wild. Did you guys We didn't I, know until we were there. But was it brought up prior with the with them at all? Did did we bring it up? So what we talked about in the meetings that we had with the magic sort of leading up to this mm -hmm. night was like, hey, it would be really cool if this whole group of fans could be like the mm -hmm. fans of the game and like, you know, show the experience right. that's going on in the ozone. But uh that like fans of the game, like it ha you have to be on the floor essentially. So uh, the rep that we were working with came up to the ozone right before the game and said, Hey, we love that idea, but we couldn't really orchestrate for that to be up here. Um, we can have some people go down. It, it, we can only bring two down right now uh, and we need to go right now. And Kevin and I were like, we'll be back we'll, y'all we'll go, we'll like go this, right now, especially yeah. like 
obviously it, it was super cool like for me mm-hmm. like it was it was incredible but this was legitimately one of kevin's lifelong dreams <laughs> so to be able to be there to witness that moment for him but also participate in it was like really really cool so from my perspective i am just sitting and then i look at my phone i have a text from my mom who was at the game last night I have a text from my buddy Danny, who was a Knicks fan that was at the game, ironically sitting in the same club section as my parents. I get a selfie from them later in the game. But I'm, and then I'm seeing it on Twitter, and I'm like, what? What's going on? What, how, what happened? And so I'm just like speechless. I'm like, there's no way they did this. And then I'm seeing it, and then I, you know, my, my mom sends me like a snippet of the last few seconds of it. Because I'm sure she just like pulled her phone out as soon as she saw you guys up there. But yeah, I had legitimately no idea. And obviously you guys were kind of in a panic trying to get down there once they presented the idea. You didn't have time to tell me. And then you get down there and you do it. And I see it on my phone. It was uh, it was incredible. It was a lot of fun. Because like you said, Kevin has been dreaming of doing something like that. And you yourself very much appreciated the moment as a lifelong magic fan, something that any magic fan would love to do. So yeah, I, it was, it was a really fun moment for me to just be like, wait, what? <laughs> so, uh, no shout out, shout out to, to the magic always taking care of us, hooking us up moments like that, man. There's just so much fun. Yeah. The text that I got from what well, we, my, myself and Kevin both got from Luke was, all caps y'all actually did magic time <laughs> and i was thinking about that the whole time i'm like dude i'm like this sucks that luke's not here obviously but like you know like we've tried especially like for kevin mm-hmm. luke and i have gone around kevin's back <laughs> to try to like orchestrate this with people within the organization and we've gotten like a couple of oh maybes let's see and then like oh sorry they already have somebody for that game we're not able to make it happen it's like we've been trying to make this happen for yeah. kevin for a long time and awesome. it, it just so happened that uh, I got to to be a part of it as well. So before you know, they they come up to you like the three two one hype team comes up, and uh, you know Corey Arkin and, and our our guy DJ Strong. They come up and they're and they're sort of like prepping you. Like different people are coming up to us at different times while we're waiting to walk onto the floor, and they're like, "Okay, you guys know what to say, right?" And we're like, "Yeah, we've seen this done a million times." They're like, "No, we need to hear you say it." So we're like going through it and. Obviously, both of our voices are gone from Tuesday night, and we're also just not trying to scream right. like as people are walking past. So we're sort of like whispering, and they're like, "No, no, no! Like you, you that cannot be what." And we're like, "No, like trust us. Like it'll be fine." And they're like, "Okay, if you say so." And then like Corey comes up, and like Corey wants to do the same thing. So we're like, "Yeah, we've seen it. You know, we've seen it done a million times." She's like, "No, she's like I haven't seen you do it." I was like, I, I get that, but like, I promise it'll be fine. And they're like, okay, do not fumble this. And then DJ you know, uh, Strong comes over and he's like, oh, you don't got to worry about these guys. They're going to be just fine. And they're like, okay, whatever. So then we do it and they're like, all right, yeah, you guys, you guys did a pretty good job at that. Well, so, well, D Strong has, has been out to watch parties and things like that. Had you say some stuff to, to address the people that came? He knows you, you've got the pipes. And uh, and that six man show blood runs deep. So we we all knew had the confidence Kevin was going to let it all hang out, and you guys did did a phenomenal job. Absolutely, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So 
Uh, yeah, folks, just can't echo this enough. Like the magic do listen, you know, I've, I've had my questions over the years of like, do they even care what fans want and what fans think? And over the course of the last two seasons, to me, in my opinion, they are showing us time and time again that they are listening. Like I know for a fact that this whole idea for the designated supporter section, they had to pitch to Alex Martins. They had to pitch this to Ryan DeVos and they were both super on board with uh, this test run. At least we'll see what comes of that in the future. Uh, but the organization is listening and, and the people at the very, very top, you know, they want to find ways to, to get magic fans, you know, more involved, you know, in the, the in-game experience. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, even if nothing comes of it, I, I credit the innovation team for taking that step and at least trying to see what something like this could look like in the future. So that was a lot of fun. We're 40 minutes into this, Luke. We have, we have talked so much. People are going to be, we're going to get comments. I, I already know we're going to get comments. But uh, listen, we talked about magic related things. They'll, they're fine. If you made it this far in, and just look at the timestamp, especially if you're on YouTube. So um, let's get to the state of the magic, Luke. Without further ado, this week, the magic went one in one with a loss to OKC on Tuesday, a win over New York on Wednesday. They currently sit eighth in the Eastern Conference with a record of 30 and 25, 13 games back of Boston, seven games back of Cleveland, five games back of Milwaukee, three games back of New York, two and a half games back of Philly, a half game back of Indy. They're tied with Miami. Miami holds the tiebreaker, so they're seventh. The Magic are four games up on ninth place. Chicago, six games up on 10th place. Atlanta, on the season, the Magic are 24th in the NBA in offensive rating. An offensive rating of 130 does not sound right. Pulling this back up here. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, definitely not, not 130. 130. 113. Offensive rating of 113. They're fifth in the NBA in defensive rating with a rating of 112. 15th in net rating with a net rating of 1.0. Taking a look at the injury report, mostly clean here. Markel and Gary Harris did miss Wednesday's game. Uh, Markel was the knee uh, injury management. And for Gary, it was the calf strain injury management. So just those guys are not playing back-to-backs just yet. But it doesn't sound like you know it's something to worry about moving forward, Luke. This weekend, uh, starting Friday with the Rising Stars Challenge, uh, Paolo Bancaro is going to be involved in each of the three nights of the All-Star Weekend. Friday night, he'll be in the Rising Stars game, uh, where or the Rising Stars tournament, I guess it is now, playing on uh, Tamika Ketchin's team. And then Saturday night, he is in the skills challenge in the number one overall pick team with Anthony Edwards and Victor Weminyama. And Paolo Bancaro has made it abundantly clear that he was embarrassed by his team's performance last year, which they finished, I believe, last place in the skills challenge. Uh, so this year, he said he's going to let Ant and Wemby know that he's taking it very serious and that he wants to come out with a win. So Saturday night should be fun. And then Sunday, our all-star, Paolo Bancaro, is playing in the big game in the all-star game a uh, Sunday night, Luke. So in previous years, I haven't always paid that much attention at some of the all-star festivities, depending if it's, you know, obviously last few game, last few years, we've had a lot of guys in the rising stars game. So I've watched that when it comes to Saturday night, like probably going back you know, before last year, like probably going back to like AG and the dunk contest a few years ago, I haven't paid that much attention uh, to Saturday and Sunday night. But this year, I'm going to be locked in all three nights. And you got kind of our boy, 
Oh, Mac, Mac McClung in the dunk contest. Excuse me. Yes. Gate City's finest. So he is, he's going to be there kind of def- trying to defend the crown. I don't think anybody can beat him, if I'm being honest. Like, Jalen Brown's in it. And, like, just don't think of him as a dunk contest guy. We'll see. I, I'm open to being surprised because I would love for them to put on a show. I don't know if Jalen Brown is going to put on the show, but I do know Mac McClung will. I'm very pumped to see what he has in his bag this year around. Whenever people, because Mac McClung, you know, going back to his high school days, like one of the like crazier, you know, mixtapes, like every few weeks, there was like a new Mac McClung mix coming out with him, you know, dunking all over kids, you know, uh, in, in his high school film. So now that he plays for the Magic, like whenever I strike up a conversation, people talk about the Magic. And some people know that Mac McClung plays for Osceola, like the G League affiliate. So they'll ask me, you know, about Mac McClung and what I think about him. And what I always tell people is like, Ball player aside, like legitimately seems like one of the nicest, like most humble people. Like I always just go back to media day mm-hmm. and just like how awesome he was and how respectful he was and just uh, the way that he talked about the opportunity and the way that he talked about his teammates. Like regardless of what happens with basketball, I will always be a Mac McClung fan. And hey, by the way, I saw a few Gate City Mac McClung jerseys at Wednesday night's game. I don't know if those were, you know, maybe relatives of his or whatever, but um, yeah, obviously cheering for Mac McClung in the dunk contest on Saturday. Absolutely. All right. Let's now let's talk about the OKC game. All right. Obviously there was all the, the hoopla and the extracurriculars going on. It was a nationally televised game. Shaq's Jersey retirement, all that kind of good stuff. This was a massive game uh, for magic fans, especially. Uh, but guys, even before the game, you know, Gary Harris talking about how you can say it's just another game, but it's it's really not right. Like especially for this team who has not played on you know any of these guys really a regular season home nationally televised game. Any of the guys, uh, at least not for the Magic here the last few years. So you you felt that energy in the building. Like Shaq was there, the the TN, you know, Kevin Harlan was there, Stan Van Gundy was there, all the you know the extra camera crew and and all that kind of good stuff. And you just felt this energy in the arena. And I know for sure that Magic fans, like we did our part, especially in that first half when the team was was playing really well. Magic get out to an eleven point lead in that first quarter. Jalen Suggs, I think it was 11 first quarter points, hit three threes in that first quarter, and just like oozing with confidence. Magic fans are going crazy. And then slowly but surely, OKC started to, you know, sort of chip away and make their way back into the game to the point where the Magic are only up one after the end of the first quarter. They're up 32 to 31. And then, Luke, the Magic go on to lose the final three quarters. They lose the second quarter 29 to 20. The third quarter, thirty-two to thirty, and the fourth quarter, thirty-five to thirty-one. Oklahoma City shot the ball exceptionally well in this game. Did a really good job of moving the ball, finding open looks. They shot thirteen of thirty-two, good for forty percent from behind the arc, and were forty-six of eighty-four from the floor. They shot fifty-four percent on the game, uh, and the Magic just like really could not. Once OKC got going and really started to play with another level of physicality. The Magic just were not keeping up and weren't knocking down their open shots for sure. 
Magic end up shooting 30.6% from behind the arc and 45% from the floor. Magic crush OKC on the glass, out-rebounding them 48-31, to uh, but 16 Magic turnovers and the Magic's inability to knock down shots ultimately will cost the game. And then the third quarter was the SGA show. He gives the Thunder 15 points, and then Jalen Williams really effectively ends the game in the fourth quarter for OKC, scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter. And really in that entire second half, Luke, like the Magic it never really felt like they were threatening OKC. And although the last couple of years, uh, especially going back to a couple of years ago, is these teams were sort of close in the standings because they were shutting SGA down for like the last month and a half, seeming like every season and ending up in the lottery and ending up with good lottery picks, you, you at times sort of talked yourself into that, like the Magic and the Thunder are sort of on the same level. They're sort of on the same timeline. But because SGA and legitimately playing at an MVP caliber level this year. As that game went on, Luke, it became so apparent to me that just like you know, a, a few weeks back when we were in, in Boston in December for that weekend where the Magic got smacked both times and it's like, hey, we're just not on the same level of this team. The Magic are just not quite yet at the level of OKC. And to me, that was the biggest takeaway that I had in this game is did the Magic play particularly well? Did they really rise to the occasion? Not exactly, but OKC is just really good, and, and they're on a different level that the Magic are right now. I, I'd say that the, the Magic are about a step behind OKC for sure, at the least. I think that if you're looking at comparison standpoint, you're where maybe they were last year. I think that's safe to say. Like, just figuring it out, finally winning, and having an above 500 record. And then hopefully next year is the year that Magic really take another leap. I mean, don't get me wrong. They've taken a leap this year. More than I could have imagined. But this shows you, as cliche as the saying is, there's levels. And Oklahoma City, though they are young, they don't play like a young team. They, they don't make a ton of mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot nearly as much as you would expect a team with their average age to have. So it's disappointing. I mean, just from the standpoint of obviously losing, but then disappointing from like Franz Wagner was five of 16 from the field. That was disappointing. You can't, you just, especially on national television, try to put the, the country, the world on notice. You shoot the most, most attempts of anybody on your team. And it, you shoot five of 16 and it, it just can't happen. That being said on the total polar opposite side, I thought Palo Bancaro was great because you, unfortunately, especially on national stage, people are box score watching. They just want to look at the points and they're like, ah, Palo only had 23, but look at Jalen Williams who had 33 and Shea Gilgis Alexander who had 32. Palo Bancaro <laughs> was doing everything well in this game. Everything he could to keep the magic in this game. 10 assists, 6 rebounds, and 23 points in a block. He did everything he could. If anything made me feel better about Paolo Bancaro, not that I needed a whole lot of affirmation, 
but knowing, hey, come come the big stage, we'll be just fine. And you know who else? I tweeted this out maybe the next day. I came into this game thinking, I'm going to think of this in the lens of like the playoffs and what I can expect. And hopefully the team can learn from some things that, that go wrong in this. But who's gonna, who, who is definitely not going to say like the lights are too bright or perform that way? Jalen Suggs in that first half, that first quarter was electrifying. And just, you could tell, like he, he loves these moments so much. He comes in, he hits those huge threes in the first quarter, and it just seems like it's going to be the Jalen Suggs night. And it lasted for a little bit until it didn't. But I thought he didn't get enough shots up in the second half. I know that his efficiency was not good in the second half, especially compared to that first half. But I genuinely think he was trying to just shoot us back into the game. And at that point, it is what it is. OKC is going to walk out of that one with a win. It just felt like any way that you cut it. But I was very impressed with Jalen Suggs in that first half, especially that first quarter. He was awesome. So him, Palop Dell, played a great game too. Really a second half. That second half for him was was great too. That, that second half, he had 15 points in the second half, six of seven from the field. A lot different than the first half where, you know, he, he scores seven points, but he scores 15 in the second half. He showed up in that second half and, and tried to make something happen. So shout out to Dell. I thought that he played a good game. So it's, it's interesting what we're, what we're going to see going into postseason time. How are they going to look? Who's going to step up to the challenge? And I have a, a gut feeling I know the few that absolutely will. Yeah, so one of the I, I made a mistake earlier talking about the injury report because I forgot that Jalen did not play Wednesday with the sore right groin. Mm-hmm. Kind of have some information that you know Jalen it, it needs this All Star break. Mm-hmm. Like if if you've been watching the team for the the last month, like Jalen is almost like hobbling around like every single one of these games. So I think probably for a couple of weeks. Jalen hasn't been exactly 100%. Anybody watching the games can see that. He was doing his best to stay with SGA and like caught sort of sleeping on a couple of possessions in this game, but he hasn't exactly been the same defender the, the last couple of weeks. I, I think part of that is that you know, maybe he's been dealing with this, this groin thing for a, a little while here. But yeah, in that first quarter, I was like, yeah, this kid came to play. Like Some guys just turn it up when the lights are bright. This is the the first time and really the brightest the lights have been, and, and Jalen sort of turned it up in that that first quarter. Uh, what was pretty damning to me is in the second half where the offense was really sputtering and the Magic were looking for an answer, Jamal's first solution was to go Gary Harris instead of Markel Fultz. Like Gary Harris plays uh, 24 minutes in this game to uh, Markel's 18 minutes. So I thought I thought that was pretty telling. Didn't really see uh, Markel a, a ton down the stretch, especially as it became pretty evident the Magic needed to to shoot threes. Uh, and that's been a trend lately of Markel, you know, not closing games for the Magic. So my thing with Markel is like we talk about a guy that's going to organize the offense and you know be able to go and get his own shot. When do you need that more than any other time throughout the game? 
except for the last few minutes. And if if he's not able to to you know give us that strength at the end of games, like you just continue to have these sort of questions about his his long term fit you know, with the Magic, and we had an opportunity potentially to move that expiring contract at the trade deadline and decided not to do that. And you know the fact that last handful of games you know more often than not he's not closing these games out i thought that was was pretty interesting but yeah sga in that third jalen williams in the fourth magic ch- could never really get close enough to to really threaten this game and uh magic end up losing this one 113 to 127 at home frustrating because you know, we were really looking forward to this game you know being on national tv and you wanted it to be a bit more competitive than that uh one thing that I'll, I'll say in you know the sort of the rotations with Mosley, I thought SGA got cooking in that third. Like Jamal Mosley went to JI on SGA in that second quarter, and JI played S- SGA really, really well. SGA starts going in that third quarter. I'm like, okay, if we want to have a chance of winning this game, maybe you go back to JI and, and try to have him attempt to slow down SGA at that moment, which SGA is is absolutely incredible. Like one one of the most incredible shot makers in the league today. Like he is so, so freaking good. But Mark Dagnall down the stretch, like making sure he's got like multiple starters on the floor at all times, whether that was, you know, Lugan Stortz and, and Jalen Williams or uh, Jalen Williams and, and SGA or, or Chet and SGA. Like throughout that entire second half, it seemed like multiple starters on the floor at a time. And maybe Jamal Mosley doesn't want to show his hand for what we might do in, in the playoffs in that scenario. But it felt like if you really wanted to go for this game, you had to get more starters minutes. And we decided not to do that. So I don't know if it's just like, oh, hey, this we're not treating this game any differently just because it's a nationally televised game or whatever. Uh, but to me, that was a little bit disappointing seeing OKC rolling out lineups that told you we want this win. We're going for this win. I believe it was their last game before the all-star break. So they really wanted that one. Maybe the magic were looking a bit ahead to Wednesday night, having that back to back, especially as they got down by 20 late in the second half. And now you're like, okay, let's manage some minutes here and, and, and just get tomorrow and, and get a win and, and get to the all-star break. But that was like the, the criticism I saw a lot of people have of Jamal Mosley. I, I definitely shared it to a, st- a certain extent, Luke, but yeah, didn't feel great to lose this one, but overall, you know, given everything, it was, a, it was a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's give a quick shout out to our patrons, uh, the folks that literally help make everything possible. Your support uh, allowed us to you know, designate the amount of time that we need to to have a, a group night like we did. And so many of our patrons came out. Can't say thank you enough and, and really, really appreciate you all. Uh, if you'd like to join our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And we have a brand new patron, JD who joined at our all-star level, went and paid for the entire year, got a nice little discount there. 
JD, welcome to the, the Patreon. Hopefully, we'll see you in the Discord as well. And thank you so much for your support. And we also give a very special shout out to our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons each and every episode. Let's go ahead and give a special thank you to Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Normal Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Francis Warren, Pierre A., Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Dan Dotto 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Emin Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Freakin, Shahin 177, Bobby the Don, Himlo, Ben Himro, Arm Prop 221, Magic Kid 714, Mysterious Mosley, Victor Cologne, Iris Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kev, Bruv Sal, Cason Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, Chansu, Tom Gatson, Dead Air, Richard Tuttle, Jeremiah Quintero, Debo1980, and Magic Matt. Appreciate all of you. And I named so many names just now that we had the opportunity to meet, uh, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, just so great to be able to meet all of you and to thank you in person for your support. We love you guys. Uh, and again, if anybody wants to join the Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show and help us uh, do what we do, Luke. Let's talk about some chicken. Let's do that. Speaking of chicken, our guy Andrew Scala last night came out to that uh, that fan section experience there against the Knicks, which we're going to break down here next. If you guys haven't heard already, Jam Hot Chicken, proud sponsor, located at 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13 in Hannibal Square, Winter Park. Follow them at Jam Hot Chicken on all social media. Check them out online, jamhotchickenfl.com. Look at their menu, online ordering, so you can order ahead, and it's ready to go once you get there. It'll still be hot, I promise you, even if you order it like 15, 20 minutes um, before, you know, if it's ready before you get there. It'll be hot and ready to go. So do those things. Shout out to Jam Hot Chicken. Jonathan, let's jump into this next game. What do you say? Please. Wednesday night, Valentine's Day, the day of love. The Orlando Magic had the pure honor of sending out some Knicks fans with their their heads hung low on Valentine's Day. Didn't get such a great date after all because they got to see the Magic whoop up on, on their Knicks, which was truly special. What I will say is that they thought their night was going to go well despite the injuries. They had a lot of hits and injuries. The Magic had a lot of hits of injury as well. But that first quarter, Jonathan... You get a 20-piece McNugget from Jalen Brunson in the first quarter. And at that point, you're thinking, you're down 36-27. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with Jalen Brunson? Well, Jalen Brunson, in that second quarter, comes out and scores two points. He plays seven minutes of that second quarter, one of three of the field. You might be asking, Jonathan, what changed in the second quarter? Coach Mosley unleashed the, the secret weapon, the Kraken, if you will, the minister of the fence. Jonathan Isaac comes in and just, just frankly discourages Jalen Brunson from, from shooting the ball. And when Jalen does shoot, it's not going in. He's probably just thinking in the back of his head about Jonathan Isaac the entire time. Jalen Brunson in seven minutes of play in that second quarter goes one of three. You kind of bring him to a halt. The best you're going to bring Jalen Brunson, especially to a halt, with two points in there, and then that second half he scores, you know, has eleven. But from a you know a 
the broad sense here. Magic get outscored by nine in that first quarter, and that response in the second quarter was awesome. At times, we have gotten a glimpse into what this offense looks like when it is clicking on all cylinders. Magic just couldn't miss. This was a a highlight night for Paolo Bancaro, who ends up scoring 36 points, no free throws, 15 of 20, I believe, from the field, 6 of 10 from three. The Magic decided, no, this is not, that's not the way this game's going to go. You're not going to just cruise the whole way. So the Knicks win that first quarter by nine, and the Magic just don't let up on the gas. It was really a flip in the quarter score margins uh, in, the, in respect to that compared to the OKC game, where the Magic win the first, lose the rest. Magic flipped the script in this one, lose the first, win the rest. The Magic not only click on all cylinders in the second quarter, Jonathan, they hold the Knicks to 19. Really, really impressive win from the second quarter through the fourth quarter. Magic didn't let up. Palo Bancaro with that, with 36. What was the energy like in the arena? So many Knicks fans, but just to see them be quiet because this is the second time they've been in Amway slash Kia this year and walked out with a loss and not had too much to talk about. We knew that it was going to be tough. Uh, like going into this game, because Kevin and I have have been there for other you know Magic Knicks games, especially because the Knicks have been so good as of late, like really really hot team, and of course the fan base just travels really well. First quarter, like the the Brunson MVP chance when he's at the the free throw line, it it wasn't as bad because we had so many diehard Magic fans with us that it was so loud that you couldn't really hear those. I knew you could hear them in the lower bowl. But any time in that upper bowl ozone section, when other Knicks fans would start chants, we would literally turn, stare at them, and either boo or start a, a magic chant. We'd like sort of quickly diffuse that, so that was great. But how crazy is it that our answer every single time is, oh, hey, their, uh, their best player is going off. It doesn't matter if it's a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. It, it doesn't matter. We're going to put J.I. on them, and every single time it goes the exact same way with Jonathan Isaac shutting them down. It doesn't matter if it's Jason Tatum, if it's Victor Wimbanyama, if it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, if it's Jalen Brunson. You can put J.I. on them and just call it a day. And his ability to just neutralize the other team's best player, I know we've talked about this, but it's, it's really incredible. But to your question, Luke, the energy... The Magic start that second quarter on a 17-3 run. I think it was a 17 and nothing run, as a matter of fact, to take a, a size of you know, to, to take the, the lead back and build it over the course of the rest of the second quarter there. You felt the energy to start to shift. In the third quarter, Knicks fans tried to get a little bit rowdy, but as the Magic continued to keep them at arm's length and sort of build the lead, you felt the life just being sucked out of the Knicks fans. And by a few minutes into the fourth quarter, they were completely silent. Midway through the fourth quarter, you started to see Knicks fans just get up and leave. And then by about the four-minute mark, about 80% of the Knicks fans that were in attendance were completely gone and were waving goodbye and telling them to have a good time and uh, you know, have a good trip back to New York. Oh, wait, you don't live in New York. That's right. You live here in Orlando. If you love New York so much, go back. But, of course, they won't do that. So we were, you know, obviously, just friendly banter, of course. I didn't tell you this. My Carmen and I are walking into the arena, and we're up on the the um, 
the you know promenade level. We're headed to the ozone and we walk past this family. It's like you know eight of them. They've got three kids all around like the age of you know six or seven years old, and they're chanting, "Let's go, Knicks! Let's go!" So I walk by and I just let them have it. <laughs> Boo! Like you know, not I was you know Jonathan kidding. Boo's little kids, right? Oh, absolutely. Right home. Right listen, listen. If you're taking your kids to an opposing team's arena and you're going to allow them to chant like that on the concourse, you have to let them know that I, I, I did it playfully. I wasn't like, <laughs> get out of here, you little rats, like nothing like that. Just very playfully booing. Like you got to prepare your kids for that, especially, you know, what these tough New Yorkers, you know, they, they, they should be able to, to take a little bit of, you know, friendly fan back and forth banter. So, Carmen told me to stop and I was like, I'm, I'm just having a little bit of fun. Like if their dad would have said something, I'm like, I'm just kidding. Like have a good time or whatever, but you got to teach these kids young. You're not just going to come into Kia and chant for the Knicks and not hear about it for magic fans. We got to set the tone early. So, um, yeah, that was really the, the highlight of the night. Like Paolo Bancaro waving to Knicks fans as they're on their way out of the building. We did a great job earlier in the season against Boston. Uh, did a pretty good job earlier in the season, you know, uh, against the Knicks and against, you know, Philadelphia and uh, you know, some of these you know, other you know, teams that are really popular when they come to town. But uh, yeah, that's sort of like going to be the final benchmark for me. Like when we have a Knicks game and it's not anywhere near close to more Magic fans being in attendance, that's going to be awesome. Oh, forgot to mention JJ Redick was at the game. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool watching his interview today, you know, watching it back him and Dante uh, in the the breaks of, I think after the first quarter, um, seeing JJ say, you know, I, I didn't want to come here to be honest with you, but Dante convinced him. And the fact that, you know, he, he was glad that he did. And, you know, talking about how the organization and, you know, the city will always have a, a special place in his heart, like getting guys into the building and showering them with love and appreciation and, and sort of like reminding them of the good times. And it's just fun now that like magic legends are, are coming to games again. It was, it was really, really cool to see JJ in attendance. Winning, winning cures all, including getting your uh, former beloved players to come back. It was a good time. And like you said, Paolo Bancaro, 36 points headed to the all-star break. France was great too. 21 points on seven to 13 shooting. Uh, Heading into the All-Star break with a, a big win over the New York Knicks. Didn't want to go into the, the All-Star break with two losses. So uh, the vibes are, are maybe not incredibly high, but they're, they're good going into the All-Star break. They're, here, Luke. they're afloat, that's for sure. And this game, the, the last thing I'll say about it, it was a very, I said it on the post-game live last night. It is no coincidence either that the, the best wins or the most comfortable wins are the wins where the Magic can just play their game this was you know uh, a, a very orlando magic win yes they shot the lights out from three but guess what they still didn't attempt more than 30 they attempted 26 threes in this game they just happened to be hitting right so they're they're hitting low volume normal orlando magic basketball there and they outscored the Knicks 60 to 40 in the paint Obviously, they don't have Mitchell Robinson. Last night, they also don't have Isaiah Hartenstein. They don't have OG Ananobi on the perimeter to stop you from getting to the paint. And the Magic made the Knicks feel it all night long after that first quarter, of course. 
So to go on and, and outscore 60 to 40 in the paint, not fall in love with the three ball, despite knowing that it was very easy for them last night, that they had a groove going, shows a lot of maturity to not just throw up, hoist up 40 plus threes last night just because you're in a groove, which ultimately can lead, lead to your demise. I mean, what are the odds at high volume that you have a great first half shooting the ball and then you come out and you're still scorching hot the second half? Keep doing your thing. Play your brand of basketball. And that's exactly what the Magic did. You, and also, despite the shooting and the offense, they didn't let up defensively. 19 points in the second quarter, 22 in the third, 23 in the fourth, while scoring 38, 24, 29. Just after the second quarter, average offense the rest of the way, but digging in defensively, understanding that we still can't rely on our offense even though we're shooting the ball well tonight. We got to dig in defensively, play our brand of basketball. And that was the most impressive part, more most mature part of the game last night to me. Yeah, there was a point in the second quarter where so like to that point in the game, the Magic were shooting 71%. We only had a seven-point lead. That was really uh, <laughs> really concerning, mostly because of just how well Jalen Brunson had played in that first quarter. And let's let's you know no ifs ands or, or or buts about it. We know as any well as anybody what it is like to have most of your roster out. The Knicks roster right now just stinks because they've got so many guys out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. But Knicks fans are trying to argue like your your, your song is is falling on deaf ears, my guy. Like nobody nobody in Orlando is going <laughs> to give you an ounce of sympathy uh, for dealing with turnover uh, injuries. We we know it more than anybody. So uh, Luke, was w- was good to get a win here. Uh, let's take a quick look at the the post All Star break schedule. So we don't have games here for you know a, a, about a, an entire week. Magic don't play again until next Thursday, the twenty second at Cleveland, Luke. But twenty seven games remaining, and if my calculations are correct, sixteen of the remaining twenty seven games, Luke, are going to come against teams that are below five hundred. You start uh, that first game at Cleveland, but then your next seven games, Luke are against teams that are currently, as of today, below 500. So when we talk about the schedule getting easier, this is where we talk about that. The Magic now sitting at, uh, what is it, 30 and 25. Mm -hmm. They didn't have their 30th win until almost the end of March last year. So you're a full month ahead of schedule here. And the Magic really should be able to rack up some wins here. I've got two bets that I'm feeling pretty good about. The Magic's 36 and a half win total over. and I think I I got the magic at like like plus four hundred or maybe it was plus a thousand to win the Southeast Division. Right now they're tied with the Heat, you know who are, who are leading the Southeast Division. So a couple of couple of bets to keep an eye on as we get into the later part of the year here, Luke. But you have to feel good about the Magic's odds uh, if they can come out hot out of the All Star break. Should be able to rack up some wins and and maybe you know pick up some ground here in the Eastern Conference. A few days ago, I went through the final at the point. At that point, we had 29 games remaining. Went through the schedule and just gave a prediction for the remainder of the season and saw where that would put us for the entire year. With that, keep keeping that in mind about the the teams the Magic are playing here down the stretch, not being the greatest, but being under 500, a majority of them. I said that I have the Magic going 17 and 12 over the last 29 games. Finishing the season ultimately forty six and thirty six. 
this 46 wins would give you the six seed. I am it pretty much would, would give you the six seed last year would have given you the six seed. I think with some injuries that are happening, listen, Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid, they're not a good basketball team without Joel and the, the record shows it. So I'm doing that right now without Sixers record, without Joel Embiid this season on stat muse, shout out stat muse because I use them relentlessly. The Sixers are six and 14 without Joel Embiid this season. One of those wins coming against the Orlando Magic. Unfortunately. But the good news is they don't get to play the Magic and uh, every game and, and continue to put that fear into us. But, yeah, so you got the Sixers that are kind of free-falling a little bit without Joel Embiid. How much worse is that going to get? And that can be said of a lot of these other teams. The Pacers were banged up for a bit. I don't know how it's going to end up. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I still have some confidence that the Magic could finish out, you know, inside, I guess, and and still outside of the of the play-in tournament. Be on the uh, the inside there, on the inside track, and how nice would that be to to get some rest there right before the playoffs while those playing games are happening? It's statistically unlikely. I don't think it's completely outside of the realm of possibilities that the Magic finish as high as four. When you look at New York, all the injuries that they're dealing with, injuries that Philadelphia are dealing with, they're probably going to continue to fall to your point, and then you're just a half game back of Indiana right now, and you're tied with Miami. So Indiana and Miami come out and drop a couple, and you're able to pick up a couple of wins. You're already there at six. You're probably knocking, you know, a, a game, maybe half a game at, at five, and then who knows? Julius Randle coming back, OG Ananobi is dealing with this weird elbow inflammation thing that they don't seem to have a, a great handle on just yet. Of when he's coming back, you you could at some point, maybe you don't finish four, but the Magic could at some point when we get out of the gate here, if they are able to put a nice little winning streak together, you you could be threatening four. Ultimately, I think five or or six in the Eastern Conference are entirely possible. Before we we let our listeners go here, you want a hot take from me? Sure. I would love that. I'm looking at the standings. And I think when the season shakes out, I think Boston and Cleveland will stay at one and two. I think Milwaukee, with the third hardest schedule remaining left, Doc Rivers coming in as the head coach. It's been struggling uh, slightly here. Last 10, they're four and six. I could see Milwaukee giving up that three spot to New York. I think that it is not out of the realm of possibility that the standings at the end of the year look like Boston, Cleveland, New York. Milwaukee, maybe. And then Indy. And then kind of from there on out, the rest of the spots with the Sixers not having Embiid, you're looking at uh, it looking very different in just a short 29 games remaining, 27 games, whatever we said. So a lot to look forward to. And the Magic just need to take advantage of it because unfortunately teams like Indy and Miami have a relatively easy schedule here. The Miami Heat have 
the third easiest to end the season here. And Indiana's more kind of in the middle of the pack. I don't know how it's going to shake out, man, but I I have I have hope that the Magic can be at least jockeying for that sixth spot at the end of the year. Well, so far on the season, the Magic are 16 and 5 versus teams below 500. And like we said, seven of your first eight after the All Star break are against teams below 500. So you start crazy. You come back Thursday, February 22nd at Cleveland. Then you're at Detroit, at Atlanta. That's a back to back. You're home for Brooklyn, home for Utah, home for Detroit. Then you're at Charlotte, at Washington. That's a back to back. And then you're at New York. But you've got Cleveland. Detroit, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Utah, Detroit, Charlotte, Washington. Those seven games there should at least be able to pick up you know, five or six wins in those, those first eight games, which would go a long way, I think. So looking forward to the All-Star break, uh, Luke. Looking forward to see Paolo this weekend and looking forward to getting back to Magic Basketball in about a week here and, and, and getting back to getting some wins and, and climbing up the Eastern Conference. All-Star break is welcomed. We can take a little bit of a load off here. Still going to be releasing episodes as normal over the next week, obviously with the big five-year anniversary show next Wednesday. But we welcome a little lull every now and then. And uh, then we get back to it. You named one of those games coming up, Jonathan. Those under 500 teams. Charlotte. We'll be there. Me, you, producer Kevy, hitting Charlotte in the Spectrum Center with our magic gear, hopefully being the one to wave by to Charlotte fans that night. That's right. Get to, get to play, uh, get to play that antagonist. Bring role. the raid spray, baby. Oh, wow. Cause we're, wow, we're killing the Hornets. That's right. There you go. Be awesome. Say hi to our, our old buddy, Steve Clifford a little bit, you know, be yeah. fun. Be a good time. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this one. Y'all enjoy the all-star break. Uh, For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. I'm going to go get some cough drops. Thank you all for listening to this episode of The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, 
code PROGRAM.